Hello and welcome to the Business Beyond Limits podcast with me, Jason Bradbury. And me, Stuart Witts. Hello, Stuart. Hello, Jason. So you're, I would describe you as my tech twin. That sounds about right, but maybe... Uh... Not in terms of what we look like. No, certainly not. If I describe Stuart as someone who rarely goes outside because he has far better stuff to discover in the virtual world. Oh, there's so many good things in there. Yeah, that you'd probably imagine him with a goatee, a little sort of like Harry Potter round glasses and an obscure film-related T-shirt. And that is exactly what he's wearing. Indeed it is, yes. So that's Stuart. He's my co-pilot on the Good Ship Beyond Business Limits podcast. That's a really bad name for a spaceship. We need a better one, don't we? Yeah, yeah. as we we take you on a journey into the future. In this series, we're answering some of the big questions being asked about technology today, including Internet of Things, and asking what it all means for the future of business. What does it mean? We'll find out, Jason. We'll find out. All right, in this episode, we're looking at connected vehicles and finding out how far away we are from true Autonomous cars. Autonomous cars. I'm I so love it. excited. We'll be hearing from people already incorporating Internet of Things technology and from those creating technology for the vehicles of the future. Ooh. It's really exciting stuff, though, isn't it? It is. You know, considering that in the very rememberable past, nothing like this existed. No, I couldn't imagine an autonomous car. I know, and I couldn't imagine anyone allowing it. No, certainly not. But, but of course, like anything connected to information technology, it's subject to the exponential curve. And that includes all the bureaucracy and the legality, the health and safety issues around cars. They're all subject to the same exponential growth curve. And that's why, Stu, as you know, because I'm constantly talking about this exponential stuff. Indeed you. you are. That's why it suddenly seems to arrive. Like suddenly you're, one minute you're talking about autonomous cars and then Tesla and Audi and VW and all the others, they all just come up with something and it's actually available to buy. I know. I actually saw a test car drive down my high street yesterday. This podcast is brought to you by Vodafone Business, connecting the businesses of the UK to help them unlock their potential. Find out how at vodafone.co.uk slash business. Before we talk about connected vehicles, Stuart, shall I just briefly explain what we mean when we talk about Internet of Things? Please do. Internet of Things, or in acronym speak, IOT. Yes. It's when a smart device has access to a kind of wider cloud-based connected universe. So it might be a, a doorbell that, you know, when the delivery person presses the button, your phone buzzes, even though you're 100 miles away. Although I wouldn't be. I've been at home, obviously. Of course you would. That you're able to talk to them and suggest that they leave it behind the bins. Uh, or um, a fridge that tells you when the milk is going to be off. Yeah. And maybe even connects to the internet and orders it for you. Absolutely. And it turns up when the delivery person. OK, so that's the Internet of Things. But what about the connected vehicle? Have you got something by way of a definition? A car can be connected to the internet and obviously able to relay and receive information to passengers and other vehicles en route. Right, OK. So, so it's um, not just a kind of solitary object. It's part of a network. Yeah. So you're not just getting your own information for yourself, but the car is talking to all other cars. And then it can obviously plan a new route via smart highways to have uh, either avoid traffic jams or... Um, more energy-efficient route for itself. That's, that's brilliant. And, of course, all of this needs data. Absolutely. And, and with 5G, that gives you much faster and much bigger bandwidth. OK, so all of this sort of cloud computing is now available to the once dumb car. But what about when the vehicle in question has a much more important job? Now, we all know about Great Ormond Street Hospital and the amazing work that they do when your child falls critically ill every second 
is vital. And the Children's Acute Transport Service, or CATS team, are the people who go out in the ambulances with the blue lights flashing to fetch children, assess them en route and bring them to intensive care. IT developer Kinseed have been working with Great Ormond Street to develop Mediview, an IoT or Internet of Things technology that's had a huge impact. We went along to speak to two members of the CATS team, Dr Ram, a consultant, and Emma Sturges, an advanced nurse practitioner. When we're out on retrieval, we are a small team. We're a team of, of, of two clinicians plus our technician. It's a busy, intense time with very sick children. You can get acute changes in the child's situation. To relay that back to our teams or our consultants that are overseeing our care, you would have to break away from your patient, you would leave the, the nurse with the patient, and then you have to ring in, you get put through to the consultant via the switchboard system, and then you end up having a remote conversation from mobile to mobile, trying to explain the clinical course, what you're seeing, what the changes are, what's concerning you but actually that time to get from phone call to discussing could sometimes take two or three minutes just because of the process so it wasn't live time changes that were being reported on it was like this is what's happening and this is what's happening and this is what's happening and sometimes it's quite difficult to translate a graphic into words it's not just one conversation often it can be many conversations each conversation may be three four minutes long so if you're having to explain what's happening every time every 20 minutes you take away three minutes four minutes each time so over an hour you've cumulatively built up a big delay I'm Josh Knight. I work as the Chief Commercial Officer at Kinseed. We work with Great Ormond Street to develop a set of solutions using things like machine-to-machine, using 4G, using mobile devices to be able to let them make decisions on their data in a a much better and more mobile way. A patient is usually connected at minimum to a patient monitor, but they could be connected to a whole bunch of different devices. There are things like ventilators to help them breathe, uh, ECMO machines to help oxygenate their blood, uh, infusers to help administer drugs and so forth. When they're on the move, these devices, they stay pretty much isolated. Uh, When you're loading a patient into the back of an ambulance, whatever they're connected to, that data is being displayed on the monitor for the people in the ambulance, but it doesn't really go anywhere, or it didn't before at least. So the device that we've created for Great Ormond Street and for a few other NHS trusts plugs into all of these devices and it listens to the data that's on that device and uses 4G and IoT to send it back to base. So when you have a patient who is being stabilised remotely with a remote team with a portable monitor or when they're in the back of an ambulance hurtling down the road somewhere, instead of being completely in isolation and instead of all of that data being lost, it's like it's plugged in in a ward. Doctors and, and physicians can look at that data in real time and be able to assess which patients need to be looked at next or be able to to provide clinical advice and make decisions while that patient's on the move. The ability that it actually means if you've got change in your child's condition, you are able to say, well, just ring in and say, can you get the consultant to look at the monitor, please? Things are changing. And then you can hang up. And then they are able to record, see what's going on real time. They can either call us back with advice or update the receiving centre. So actually, for me, it's like having an extra friend and a guide in the back of the ambulance with me. I can get these guys to help me out as and when I need them. I think from our point of view, we are um, intensive care consultants and we have two teams, sometimes even three teams on the move. Within a minute, you know, a child's condition might turn from being stable to, to extremely life-threatening. Um, or within 30 seconds, they could go from having an oxygen level of 100% to an oxygen level of 20%. And so really having 
that real-time availability of data is, is valuable. It's no good looking at data from two minutes ago because that probably doesn't reflect what happened to the, what is now happening to the patient. 5G is actually really exciting for a bunch of reasons. First of all, it means we can start building in more features and more services to this, including potentially even giving things like video links so that clinicians can actually see, okay, here's how the patient is looking and, and other kind of physical symptoms that may be presenting that aren't appearing on a patient monitor. Um, that's going to become, I think, increasingly more important and, and being able to build more of those features and get even more of that environment into people's fingertips remotely is is going to be critical. The other side to it, though, is the ability for us to be able to send that data with less compression. What that means is, while it's being transmitted back, we'll be able to do more with that data while it's on the way back to base. We'll be able to uh, use it for things like pattern recognition and big data analysis, pass it through things like neural networks and machine learning algorithms. We can use the power of the cloud and the power of IoT and machine learning to be able to point out things in the data and help clinicians see patterns and make decisions before things have happened. To highlight, to say this pattern indicates that they may be experiencing, let's say, a cardiac issue or a cardiac event and you may need to consider the following uh, uh, clinical intervention. So it's those kind of things that we're most excited by in terms of 5G because it, it means it opens up the door for us to really make the most of that data, not just being able to pick it up and use it, but to be able to, to really make it come to life. To have that constant connection to me makes me the happiest because I've always got another mind or another brain that's working on the same project and we're all working for the greater good of that child that we've got on board. Our job is to save children's lives and give them the best chance there is and I think this technology helps us to achieve that aim. It's serious stuff, Jason. It's really serious stuff. Did you hear that? Data about the oxygen levels in the blood that's two minutes old could be too late. I know, that's incredible. Oh, God, it's scary. Also, the idea of this instant handover. So when the patient arrives at hospital, there's no delay. They're straight in because they know exactly what's been going on. Oh, man, it's, uh, it's, it's really exciting. And when we talk about uh, autonomous or self-driving cars, it's not generally those kinds of scenarios that come to mind, but they are the life and death Absolutely, side yes. of it. Having said that, though, I do want to talk briefly uh, about that topic because it's just one of the most fascinating areas of innovation in the next few years. And we're, we're there. The autonomous car age has arrived. Let me tell you some amazing facts. I've got a, a little f- fact-filled form for you. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Did you like that alliteration <laughs> of the letter F? So a semi-autonomous car knows when you're going to go to work. Does it? Yeah. So it can help wake you up and it can then pick a route based on a number of different parameters. It might be the route that you want to take. It might be the route that you should take because you've got a meeting that you're not allowed to be late for. Or it might be the scenic route because you're feeling a bit down that day. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I like, that, I like that you filled in the emotional component <laughs> in all of this. Uh, they are coming. Ford recently admitted that they, they feel that they overestimated their arrival and underestimated their complexity. That's good news. That is good news, yes. When you've got vehicles capable of great harm to pedestrians and cyclists and the like and, and each other riding around the streets, you want to know that these manufacturers are taking it seriously. Absolutely. I mean, Uber have also said that they think they'll be reliant on human drivers for a long time to come. Uh, however, Volkswagen are trialling five e-golf self-driving cars in Hamburg right now. 
Uh, and self-driving buses, or a self-driving bus, is currently being trialled in Manchester. I didn't know that. Yeah. They're coming. I, know, I think we need to get used to the idea that an autonomous car will eventually be safer than us driving it. Yeah, but of course they're going to need an enormous amount of new infrastructure to make them viable. And that research is happening right now all over the country. Some of it's taking place at Cranfield University near Bedford, where they have a dedicated research centre and a connected and autonomous vehicles test track. I want to go there. I do too. But we don't need to because Stefano Longo is about to tell us all about it. He's a senior lecturer at the university and is about to explain explain how they're helping cars to see around corners. We are in the IMEC building. IMEC stands for Intelligent Mobility Engineering Centre. We do research on uh, autonomous cars and uh, we're actually standing right next a classic car. It's a Ford Mustang from 1965. Uh, the reason is that we converted this classic car into an autonomous car last year as part of a stunt we did at the Goodwood Festival of Speed. A lot of hardcore petrol they found almost offensive to convert such a beautiful car into an autonomous car but if you could see the car the car looked exactly the same as it was 50 years ago all the technology has been hidden under the bonnet we believe that in the future cars will be driverless and uh, for that to happen car will have to be connected with one another connected to the infrastructure connected to the cloud connected probably to a traffic management system i'm uh, managing a project at the moment where we try to understand how cars will be able to communicate with the infrastructure. So what we're going to demonstrate is a, is a very simple case study where a car driving along a road won't be able to detect a pedestrian who's about to cross behind a parked truck. So in a normal situation, there will probably be an accident because the car is unable to detect with its own sensor this pedestrian. Even a standard car these days won't be able to see anything behind the corner for obvious reason. But if you think now, if you have sensors and cameras uh, distributed along a road, all this information can be um, transmitted to the car so that the car will be able to have a full picture of what the situation is, even if that's beyond the line of sight. Now we are right at the beginning of our autonomous vehicle test track. This is half a mile of road and if you look at the road it looks like a standard road with a pedestrian walks on the side but if you notice on the lamppost there are um, various sensors. Uh, I can see some lidars. A lidar is a light radar. So a lidar works like a, like a radar but rather than sending electromagnetic pulses it sends light pulses. It's a sensor able to detect the distance of objects all around itself. A lot of the technology is not visible, it's under the road. Hundreds of meters of fiber optics to connect all the sensors to our data center. So the road itself, the civil engineering infrastructure, will be pretty much the same. The difference will be, let's say, in the electronics, in the sensors, in the communication capabilities that will be incorporated together with the, with the tarmac and the rest of the kind of heavy-duty infrastructure. The sensors in the car won't be able to see what's around the corner, but if you can look at the LiDAR over there, the LiDAR is able to detect the pedestrian about to cross the road. And this information will be communicated to the vehicle and, um, and hopefully uh, the autonomous driving controller will do something to stop before an accident could happen. 
the amount of information that will have to be communicated is really large. For the project we're running right now, we are assuming that we have a reliable, uh, fast communication link like 5G we will provide. So at the moment we don't have 5G, so we're basing everything on Wi-Fi, which allows us to prove the concept. We are actually able to show that the principle is working, but for this system to be able to work for real, we will need high-performance uh, communication network like the one offered by 5G technology. Wow! Seeing around corners, it's sci-fi! It is totally sci-fi! Anyway, 1965 Mustang. I'll get out of town! Which car would you convert, Jason? Yeah, VW Camper. It's got to be. Imagine just sitting in the car and going, I want to go to France. A journey like that, you really need to be able to look out the window and go through the mountains, go through the Alps. You know, look at the, look at it, and when you get into all the traffic, play a, a board game with the kids, or make a cup of tea, or make a cup of t- make a full meal, full meal, yes, as, as your vehicle safely transports you down to Monaco. Ah, oh, man, so inspired by that, Stuart, do us a little bit of business. This podcast is being brought to you by Vodafone Business with faster speeds and more bandwidth than ever. Five G is helping British businesses go beyond their limits like never before. Find out more at Vodafone.co.uk forward slash business beautifully done so as we were hearing from stefano at cranfield for a connected vehicle to flourish it needs to be supported by an environment that can respond to it accordingly that's how it sees around corners it's not x-rays like you'd expect from the comic books it's actually a bunch of other cameras yeah unrelated to the car but sending data to it so what are the implications for our towns and cities there's no question is there that a kind of carbon neutral clean air city is one where the cars are electric or the vehicles are electric and and really they're not really driving around or if they are they're driving very very efficiently that's right yeah so that all the traffic jams are avoided because they know where each other is yeah and they can move very close to each other as well a great example of what we might see is an idea from UK company Arup called Flex Curbs. This is an interesting one. Driven by real-time data, more or less, curb space is allocated to meet the needs of local transport and pedestrians. So, right, get this. Over the course of a day, a single Flex Curb segment could function as an extra wide cycle lane in the morning, a pedestrian plaza at lunchtime, all right, not that you use it, because where are you at lunchtime? I'm indoors having a sandwich. A taxi rank in the evening and a loading zone overnight. This is just a concept. It's not currently in production, but a feasibility study has delivered positive results. It's a great example, isn't it, of how connected vehicles and, and kind of smart cities all connected via data can come together. It never really occurred to me, actually. You know, because as you move through London and you see the very obvious uh, infrastructure that protects cyclists and enables them to flow um, also causes problems for more conventional piston engine vehicles at different times of the day. It would be interesting to see if that cycle lane could move. I'm I'm all for the cycling. I'm just saying it might be the best of both worlds. Yeah, being able to adapt that road space is fantastic. Now, this might seem like the most straightforward part of the autonomous future, but parking could be revolutionised, especially in busy towns and cities where spaces are of a premium. The team at Appy Parking are setting out to change how we use the curbsides and how local authorities can make the whole parking experience that much simpler for everyone. Having got a parking ticket in Manchester this weekend, I want to hear what they're going to do. Right now, there's a team of 50 people working to design the future of parking with the Yorkshire town of Harrogate as their guinea pig. Dan Hubert is the founder. 
There's some unbelievably tragic uh, statistics. Uh, 30% of all congestion in cities are from people looking for a parking space. The UK spends about a billion pounds a year on 418 local authorities trying to manage the curbside independently. And there's billions uh, out of the economy simply from uh, not providing this commodity to consumers. So Happy Parking wants to make parking forgettable. We can provide real-time availability of every single bay. We'll soon be releasing an application where as you're driving down the street using navigation apps, you get all the restrictions of the curb side as you're driving along. Then when you drive straight to the bay, we have sensors on the street that have Bluetooth in them that then talk to your, uh, your mobile phone and does an immediate handshake so you don't have to get out of the car, work out location IDs, how much, where, why, when. Uh, and then when you drive off, uh, the payment ends, only charging you for the, for the minutes of your stay. So Harrogate is the first on and off street, frictionless pay-as-you-go experience for drivers. So you can drive on street and make a one-click payment, pay-as-you-go, or you can go up to barriers at car parks in, in Harrogate and the barrier opens up automatically and uh, automatically leaves as well. So it's a full, complete uh, system that we did in partnership with Visa. London spends £100 million a year on parking enforcement officers slapping tickets on windows. For £10 million, you can cover all of London 200,000 parking spaces on the first year. So you can save London £90 million in the first year by digitising the asset. Having a digitised curbside where people understand where they can go at what time of day and be fully authorised and fully accountable will fundamentally change consumers today, but also so the uh, progression of robo-taxis for tomorrow. 20 years' time is essentially robo-taxis being fully authorised and accountable when pulling over. So this is no longer about parking anymore. Uh, this is about curb kissing. Curb kissing is a phrase that we've coined, which means a vehicle just pulling over to do a job and then moving on without paying. So at the moment, that could be you pulling over where a taxi just dropped you off or a loading, uh, all those situations where you don't actually pay for the curbside. This is only going to increase with uh, robo-taxis and and also the demand outside just uh, static parking bays will increase as well. So the whole curbside will become this dynamic virtual loading area which will be allocated to people depending on who they are, how much they want to pay and what's the emergency. What we're doing today in Harrogate is a prime example of like, digital infrastructure, IoT and cars uh, interacting with infrastructure. So all of this now is about an education process, education to Department of Transport, education to local authorities and ultimately then it's about educating uh, of car manufacturers, navigation companies, about uniting the two together. All of that is about IoT. All of that is about the dependencies of 5G, because it's big data. So when you have sort of the, uh, the robo-taxis requiring full awareness of where they are, down to the nearest millimetre, um, and then understanding the vehicle-to-X, vehicle-to-infrastructure, all this sort of data and the load on it is really essential, especially with sort of the latency as well. So, the, we, you know, a car driving along and making a decision within a millisecond is extremely important, and that's where 5G will come into play because not all the processing will be done on board it'll be doing it with, you, with the infrastructure around it as well it's IoT on an epic scale and it's putting it into a platform that can ultimately create an air traffic control system for cities to manage their asset air traffic control system for cities he was good curb kissing That's I it. love that That's, <laughs> it's good though isn't it it is and of course uh, robot taxis yeah I mean, he was really inspiring it's like a proper little futurologist more importantly, a lot of what he was saying was making absolute sense. I mean, a hundred million pounds a year on the whole parking attendance infrastructure, and ninety million could be saved for the ten million pound investment that a digitised curbside would mean. Now, that's really interesting. It is, and I must say, having been confused by parking signs and restrictions because oh. they do change all the time, to be able to have that on your phone telling you exactly when you can park. 
That's fantastic. Strangely enough, this is a much more human interaction, this digitised curbside, where, where you don't have to worry about interpreting anything. It's all been interpreted by the Internet of Things connection between your connected car, the digitised curbside, and those two entities understand what's going to happen, which is that you need to stop. And in fact, was I right that he was suggesting that the robo-taxis, he called it, would just pull up, you jump out and it'd carry on? Yeah, that's yeah. what you're saying, the use of that curbside, yeah. Because I wonder whether the whole ownership model of cars is going to alter. So, you know, if it's so easy for you to just get dropped outside your favourite department store, you get out and the car can drive itself off and park, why bother having that car at home in the garage, unless it's a Mustang? Yes. I mean, Tesla are obviously working on an app that will allow, if you buy a Tesla, allow your car to be used as a taxi when you're not using it. Oh, that's awesome. Unless, of course, someone's sick in the exactly. back after yeah. a good Saturday night. So you'd only want certain people using it, I think. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You'd want to vet them, wouldn't you? You would. So there we are. Hopefully we've convinced you that we're in the driving seat still and that uh, technology's not running away from us. Uh, the benefits of connected vehicles are already being seen in industries like healthcare and manufacturing. And they are a great example of how a smart device can engage with the Internet of Things world around it. Understandably, self-driving cars, on a mass scale at least, are going to take some time. And it's clear from the many pilots and testing taking place that this is not a technology to be taken lightly but it's very very exciting thank you for listening to the business beyond limits podcast brought to you by vodafone business with me jason bradbury and me stuart witz our thanks to all of our guests at kinseed great ormond street hospital cranfield university and appy parking to listen to more episodes in the series please subscribe through your usual podcast app and while you're there we'd love you to leave us a review